Hello and welcome to Northwestify, the podcast where we talk to business people about business, tech and everything in between in the Northwest. I have my host as always, Zach Giorgio. Say hello, Zach. Hi, how you doing? It's been a while. It's been a while, but we're back at it. And uh, today we have on the call with us, Mark Rotherham, CTO at BCN. Hi, Mark. Good afternoon, guys. How's it going? Brilliant, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, just before we come in there, we're saying that we would ideally we'd do this in a pub and uh, change, changing up the tempo. But that is definitely the the way we're running. We're running this one, Mark. So really glad you came on. Really want to talk to you, find out about you and your uh, your role. Do you mind? Maybe just kick kick us off, Mark. Tell us what BCN is and does. Yeah, so BCN is a basically it's an IT outsourcing business where we take on um, customer demand, deliver IT services with a whole variety of technologies targeted traditionally at anything from a 100 well below 100 to a couple of thousand employees as our kind of target customer range and we offer a whole host of IT services ranging from infrastructure in your broom closet network infrastructure switching all the way through to uh, full stack software development so it's, it's a big array of IT services which has been built up over the years, mainly by acquisition. So it started off life as a very much hardware-based company with a bit of private cloud and grew slowly and steadily through acquisition to basically bolt on different services and capabilities. Brilliant. And your CTO over there, and there's a lot, that sounds like a lot of technology. So what is your day like there, Mark? Yeah, it is. It's a, a very dynamic kind of place, lots of pace, lots of change. My day ranges from managing um, quite a broad range of teams. So I'm responsible for project management team, which basically keeps all of our projects ticking around and keeping on top of project quality. We've got technical transformation teams, people traveling around the Northwest and across the whole of the UK, in fact, um, doing site visits and, and putting in place infrastructure. Got some really interesting uh, things we keep on top of with regard to software development do some really big and quite surprising software development that you probably wouldn't imagine that we'd be doing, where we, we basically have SaaS applications that feed into the NHS across the UK, but, but also some really interesting pirate hunting software that is used across the Indian Ocean. So my job is to basically keep tabs on, on all these different uh, array of projects and teams and make sure we're all performing against the business objectives and, and basically growing at the same time. So it's uh, a lot of moving parts. And uh, yeah, very, I would say no day is ever the same. So, yeah, it's, it's good fun. Yeah. As soon as I asked the question, what's your day like? I immediately knew there'd be no two days the same when, when you were sort of given that the intro. But um, yeah, sounds fascinating. Zach, you had a question. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say was, it, it, you know, it is interesting. I would imagine it's really, really fast paced. And I would imagine because of the, the amount of acquisitions and so on, it, it must be really challenging. But I, I want to find out more about BTM, but I'd just be keen to understand about what your previous background was as well. You know, so you're coming into this sort of fast moving business acquisition, lots of different technologies all coming and landing on. Yeah. So what was your background before that? How did you end up here? Yeah, so I left college and straight into my first job around 2000. And that first job was 20 years, effectively at the same place. So I joined a company called CSC Technology up in Chorley and started off as a bit of a software developer, but very quickly found my way into one of the large enterprise customer accounts, which was BAE Systems. So I spent about 10 years working my way through various technical roles at BAE Systems as our as their prime IT outsourcer. Kind of finished off deploying their, um, well, one of our largest private clouds. So um, basically I worked up from being second line, third line, fourth line consultant type support, led a bunch of teams, eventually led technology transformation 
accumulating in this this uh, amalgamation of all their 62 sites into data centers, private cloud, virtual desktops, big chunky enterprise projects, basically. At that point, I got asked to go and work for our global team. So rather than being dedicated to a, a customer in the UK, it was looking at repeating what I'd done there and packaging it up so we could resell it across the rest of CSE's global customer base. So that turned it from a, a one-off into a let, let's start creating patterns and repeatability and starting to get really into enterprise architecture, which was great fun. So I spent the next 10 years basically working my way around the global teams, creating these patterns, redeployable architectures. We did, I did take a, a quite a nice foray into software development land. So for a good few years, I was working with IBM, co-developing some of their Watson capabilities. And um, we, we ended up creating one of the first in uh, kind ITSM chatbots, which was part of our suite as well. Um, so yeah, lo lo lots of stuff there. Um, finished off as the innovation lead at um, what was then DXE Technology, who are now the Manchester United shirt sleeve sponsors. And um, yeah, finished off leading innovation globally, going talking to customers about how we can bring automation innovation to them and drive their business change. Yeah, fascinating. I'm sure John's probably raring to go on the software development side of things, which I'll let him do in a second. But I just want to ask you one more question around that. So obviously, they're very big coming out. I remember uh, CSC from years ago and BAE and, and DXC, you know, massive organizations, aren't they? And, and BCN's like not like that, is it? It's a small organization that's grown and grown and grown. You know, how do you find it? Because I would imagine it's very, very different working for a huge, massive organization like that where you are one of many, many, many people, and then an organization like this, where you are the main guy who's bringing all these other things together. Yeah, it is very different. DXC at its peak, I think, was close to 200,000 employees. And the uh, best way to describe it is a, a small cog in a very big machine. But even so, I was working with some incredibly big customers and having, you know, very long, drawn-out, complex conversations with them on a, on a weekly basis. But it was slow, very, very slow. You know, change happened slowly. Transformation projects were measured in years. Budgets were measured in the, the millions. It was a great playground. It was great fun doing all those things and sparring with some of the, the very senior technical people in those customers. But yeah, it, uh, the best way I would describe it is IT there was slow, but big. The jump to BCN has led to me being able to be much more impactful. The rate of change is huge. You know, since I've joined, we've made two acquisitions and integrated them into the business. And the the desire to grow and be impactful and successful is relentless. And the rate of change is relentless. It is, it is a very big context change to go from one to the other. I've really enjoyed it. It's taken me a little while to adapt to that rate of change. But it's really pleasing to be able to see the impact happening so quickly rather than waiting so long. So it's that that impactfulness is is the biggest change I've seen. You know, you, we try things and fail very quickly if we're going to fail, uh, but we try things and we do things very, very quickly. And it, it's great to see the results of those. Yeah, I bet that's so exciting. It, it must be. I mean, challenging, scary, all the flight and flights, you know. So, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. John? I am... I. <laughs> yeah, I'm itching to get in, but not about software development, although we'll come on to that because I'm actually interested in the acquisitional side of the business. I work for uh, 360 Insights and actually joined that business as an acquisition into it. Um, so I've experienced it firsthand as a company moving into a larger company and the sort of culture change um, and process change and people and technology. And I've also been there watching other businesses be acquired. So I've, um, I've not been firsthand to it and I'm sure you would have been in your role. So I guess 
How is that going is my question. Like my understanding is it's never easy, but some businesses are better than others. How are you finding it and how's it been going? Yeah. So as I joined last year, there were already four acquisitions done. So effectively, BCN had brought a a nice service-based business in Blue Logic, which was very large, the largest from a people count. They bought a software development business that did SharePoint and full stack, a data center business, and a Power BI and Power App business. And each one of those, as I joined, was a, a different state of integration. The earliest ones were fully integrated. They were BCN. The, the the later one, Cloud 2, was still on the journey. And I, and I think it's an evolving, what we call playbook, on how we integrate. It's definitely making sure that the culture of the business that's being brought in is recognized and embraced. So it's, it is it is tricky to kind of join a team of full-stack developers into a team of people that are answering the phone each day. They have very different mindsets. You've got to embrace that culture. Mm. So the approach is look at the culture, look at the way those teams work and make sure that we don't lose sight of that, make sure it's still effective. But we do try and normalize elements of things like the way that we work, the way that we manage projects, the way that we do things like timesheets, you know. So there's elements that get brought to the center. So we've got that single source of truth. Uh, And then there's an appreciation of each team's there for a different reason. Their specialism is different and their culture of where they've been is slightly different. We have a BCN culture that is is great. You know, the, you know we post quite a lot on LinkedIn about all the events we do about pancakes on Pancake Day and Pizza Fridays and things like that and the, the yearly barbecue and football games. So there's a, there's a strong underpinning culture that runs across the whole of BCN. But then we do have the appreciation of these discrete teams that, that have got their own, you know, ways of kind of needing to, to be and letting that continue. And so yeah, it, it is tricky. Sometimes we get it wrong. Most of the time it, it, it works really well. But yeah, that's the approach. And we go forward each time gets that little bit better because we improve the playbook, we improve the process and we mature. Yeah, it's very interesting to me and really interesting to hear you talking about that playbook. That's something that I think we're developing in, in our business. And it is a long journey for people to to move across. And actually, from my point of view, what's interesting is that you mentioned culture. Culture is a big part of our business, sort of the, the whole proposition. And, you know, when our CEO is going out to acquire business, that's a part of the fit, knowing that, um, because you can't bring people in who are, you know, very different cultures and different sort of approaches to work and work life and all that. Um, Do you mind if I just add to that? Because um, I find it quite an interesting topic for me, because obviously Chrome has grown a lot as well. You know, we're, we're 26 people now. And as we've grown, we've brought more people in. We've brought different people in from different backgrounds as well, et cetera, et cetera, and leadership teams and so on. And one of the things that you tend to find is when you evolve and you're growing out quickly, and we're tiny in consideration to what we're talking about here, but it's about trying to get everybody on exactly the same page and get the consistency. And And I'm working on that at the moment. There's not one manager that's telling his team something different on your career progression than another manager just because they've been brought in at a different time to somebody else. So it must be fascinating because I'm trying to make sure that we've got that dead clear consistency now and the process are in place, which is which is great because that's starting to work for us, which is part of the evolution of the business. But it must be crazy every single time you bring another business in or you integrate another business to, to be able to get that consistency across everybody. Or do you find that you do still let them be who they were before or does it have to integrate? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's a timing thing with it. So day one, nothing changes. And and from that day forward, we look at, do our systems, as an example, meet the needs of their customer base and the way that their business works? And in some cases, it's really easy. We can slot 
just looking at a technical level, slot them in without really having a problem. In other cases, the business is different. You know, they, they just contract differently, they work differently, the customers expect something different. So one of the great strengths we've got is we own the system and we develop the system that we use to deliver our services so we can adapt it. So in one of our latest acquisitions, we're actually tweaking some of the way that our systems work to accommodate the way that that business works, because actually it, it makes sense to do so. So it's not always a, our way or the highway. Uh, in fact, it's never that. It's more of a let's work through what the business needs are, what that organization or that that acquisitions needs are, and make the right sensible decisions. We do end up with some things that are normalized because it just makes sense to do so, and, and quite often we've got a level of maturity above what we're requiring. So it's kind of giving extra capabilities to these businesses. In other areas, it's just subtle things that it makes sense for us to tweak and embrace. And we do that as well. From a, a kind of messaging and getting that concise picture out there, we do host a, a whole raft of different sessions um, regularly that kind of keep everyone on the same page. So we do quarterly tech talks where we review our tech strategy with everyone in the business just to kind of say, this is how we're picturing ourselves, this is how we're framing, this is this, the, the key things that have changed. And we have uh, regular lunch and learns, which kind of do deep dives into each tech track that anyone can join. So getting that what's going on in the business led through to all of the teams, whether the new or old is, is absolutely key. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of focus on, right, so we've just got a business central's dynamics customer base. What does BCN do for them? What's the the rest of the, the capabilities going to bring to bear and what's new to that customer base that they've not spoken to before? And then the vice versa, you know, all of our base, what's business central? You know, we had to educate people on what it was because you've never done it before and it's, it's new tech. So our approach is to... And um, have that slot in to our strategy. Every acquisition is part of a tech strategy that we've formed. Well, I say it was formed years ago, but I've been iterating since I joined and uh, it slots into a place that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what the thing that we, I point out in our business, and I think you'll be aware of it, when you acquire a business, you're generally acquiring successful businesses, right? And so they're doing something right. And to mess with that is scary. And so then it's finding that balance, which is obviously what you're talking about finding that balance of what do we keep, what do we augment, what do we bring to the center. Uh, My personal experience, for example, I came from a very small business into that and having, for example, the recruitment team available to me was fantastic that we never had before. Obviously, Zach's looking to give me dirties now because he's supposed (laughs) to be my recruiter. But, you know, we have an internal team, Zach, I'll always come to you. But yeah, one thing I did just want to ask about was your sort of lunch and learns, actually. If any, like, Difficulties getting people to come forward for those or is there a backlog of people queuing up? How does it? Yeah, what we find is we've got quite a strong technical team across both our support and project areas and they don't need much encouragement to talk about what they've been doing. So it forms part of our academy approach across BCN to bringing people along on the journey and upskilling them. So I wouldn't say we have much problem finding people to present. There's always people that have done something new. And when we acquire a business, you inherit yeah. a whole stack of new, which is great. Um, the, the fact that we coincide it with pizzas for everyone that turns up as well helps, you know, so we get a good audience there. And, uh, and they're all recorded so that anyone that starts after the event can go back and look at, you know, what was lunch and learn around? I think when we did not so long ago, was all around Microsoft Defender as we ramp up across our customer base. What is it? How does it work? Why is it important? You know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's actually quite nice. Um, but yeah, it's managed as part of our academy. So we do have somebody that kind of oversees our training across the board. 
And this kind of falls part of that. And he, he goes and finds the things across the business that are pertinent. We're introducing new tech. We'll look at how we pull that through his lunch and learn. And uh, yeah, so there's a little bit of a put your hand up, a little bit of going prodding. But yeah, we've got quite a lot of people. Cool. Very good. Yeah. And I think it's something that we, as technical people, and I put myself in that category, sometimes say, oh, we don't get the recognition, you know, the salespeople doing all the sales. But actually, they are your opportunities to go and show your peers or anyone who's interested what you have been doing. So if the organization does support it and you do, why wouldn't you go and join that? So that's really interesting. You mentioned then about academies. I want to know about that. So is that part of your whole talent strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So BCN Academy has lots of legs across the business from partnering with uh, local UTC colleges. We actually do training in there. You know, I've sent my head of PMO to go and deliver classes. We then use that as an intake for apprentices that come in and join the desk. And then it's the whole career progression throughout BCN. Again, part of the culture is that we want people to progress their careers here and want them to stay and want them to be happy. So it's forming those career pathways through your line management, through your PDRs, with the right training, the right aspiration to get you to where you want to be, what your career goals are. Great example, we had one of our guys join as a recruiter. He really wanted to be a software developer and, and now he's on that path. You know, he's gone 180 almost on what you'd expect his career to be when he started to where he's going now. My best hires are from within because they know BCN's DNA, they know our tools, they know our customers, and we've been able to see them. So there's a very strong theme of tap into the local talent, foster it as much as possible, bring in that talent, and then mature it throughout the business, giving people those opportunities. As we grow, there are opportunities. It's a really good thing to see. And with our very strong focus on Microsoft and the partner designations and wanted to always differentiate ourselves there, we encourage quite a lot of training and let people take courses, exams and things like that as well. So there's a strong focus on training for what we want to be famous for and uh, making sure that happens as well. Brilliant. Recruiter turned developer. Fancy it, Zach? Could we show you a bit of Ruby maybe or <laughs> JavaScript? Actually, we joke, but I did come into your office and we did have a tech talk, didn't we? We did. We did. Which was pretty good. Well, I thought it was good, but then, you know, I'm biased. I definitely enjoyed talking to your team. They were <laughs> They were very engaged. They were, I mean, you know, I, I think it's fascinating what you say as well, Mark, particularly about the opportunities. I think a lot of the time a business might have an opportunity and have a pathway and stuff like that, but I still, I'm still a great believer in individuals create their own opportunities as well. And I think it's individuals that, you know, a lot of my team, when I look at the size of our business and where we want to go, and I see the future leaders that are coming through within the business at the moment sort of saying to me, what's my career development plan? What's my pathway? And I'm like, right, this is what the pathway is going to look like. And this is what it could look like. However, let me tell you, the size we are and the scalability that we could have, that's the pathway so you can get to the top. But it depends how far you want to take it. Do you know what I mean? So I think a lot of people that have that aspiration to do more and any business can spiral off in a different direction because they've got a really, really talented person that can take them that way as well. So going back to your point, I think it's great from within and generating and bringing people through and letting them see the opportunities. Because as I say to most people, you know, you've got to have your salaries have got to be within the right realms of tolerance. But if I look at it generally, from techie's perspective, the tech's got to be the right type of tech. It's got to be a good company to work for. And people want career development plans. So if you've got those pathways, most of the time, you know, unless you've got a rogue manager and you've got a problem with a manager, you know, the reality of it is if you've got the right salary banding and you're in that range of tolerance, your benefits are there or thereabout, but people can see a pathway 
for their career to develop, most of the time you keep all your good people. Yeah, and it is great. And I think if you know, if we look at our stats for people that have left the business, it's probably well, very good stats for retention. The, the pathways don't stop when you become a manager. We've got a forming management tract as well now to make sure our leaders continue to evolve and get the training they need as well. So yeah, it's end to end. I've got a question for both of you then, if I can. I'll start with you, Zach. Do you think there's a difference between and I'm definitely making a bit of generalization, but the kind of people who work in recruitment, primarily in management and leadership, are more, you know, hungry, I guess, for the promotion and setting their sights high versus, and I'm going to talk about tech people, and again, making another generalization, who are, maybe don't put their hand up. Do you think there's a difference, Zach? I don't know if I could generalize it like that. I think what you tend to find is, is that depending on the type of business you are, will sort of depend on that as well to a degree. I think, you know, some businesses, particularly sales businesses, you know, it's just all about getting money hungry people because they're a sales business and that's what we want. Whereas I think a lot of businesses want now, certainly what was historic many years ago, which was it was a job for life, wasn't it, years ago? You know, you remember when you were a kid? Well, I'm showing my age now, but, you know, it was always a job for life, wasn't it? Now people like two or three years and, and, and they've moved on, particularly in tech. And that's because you're working on the latest skills, for argument's sake. But what most people like to see is their own personal pathway over years. And if you can offer them that within your business, Mark, you will have started in in one particular role and now you're the CTO. Well, that will have taken you X amount of years to get there. You know, John, you've done the same. I've done the same. You know, if you can offer that within your business, I think people will want it. So I think ultimately it comes down to, a lot of people definitely want that career progression. And I think you've got to keep them with it because people also get bored within their roles and they want more. Mark, what were your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a healthy amount of people that are driven and it's really good because the, the way that we drive that is to keep them interested. They've got the career pathways. They've got a plan that might be a one, two, five-year plan. I self think it was a 10-year plan to get to where I was. Um, and it takes time. Yeah, you, you've got to go and put yourself out of your comfort zone, do things you're not used to. Yeah. So we've got a healthy desire there. What, what I try to do is turn that desire into right. So you want to keep doing the next thing. Let's make sure the thing that you're doing today is automated or made simpler so that we can pass it down to somebody else that needs that next level. So we've got this constant flow of breaking new ground across the business because everyone kind of steps up into the next thing and the next thing is the next thing. One of my main passions has been um, how we automate and how we automate well. And and automation is there to help facilitate that growth. You know, we get rid of the repeatable mundane. It takes time. You've got to go through a few iterations of it being like you're a really clever guy to you slightly less to whatever, the way you want to pitch in it. But eventually everyone's leveling up because you're giving them those opportunities to do the harder work um, as we automate the easier. And so our, my focus is to, to embrace that as a methodology and approach and continuously kind of open that next door. We spent a, a whole load of time looking at ChatGBT over the last few months because we're building a bit of bandwidth to let our senior people look at it because they can pass something down. Uh, and it's having that ability to pass things along that conveyor belt and get to the automation that opens those doors for the new things that keep people interested. I just want to add as well, I think the other thing, John, is... It's our job to make sure that there is career development opportunities and there is pathways, but it's also our job to understand what our individual people's desires are because not everybody wants to be the next manager. Not everybody wants to be the next CTO or director. A lot do, 
but a lot don't. So it's about being able to understand your people and make sure that you've got your pathways that you've built, but you've also got the pathway of somebody who doesn't want to be a manager and just really enjoys doing the job, you know, yeah. and they don't want the hassle because let's face it, the more people you look after, the more challenging it becomes. But they just don't want that. So I think there's an argument to say there's much in how we understand our people. We've got to have the pathways there, but how we understand our people and how we discuss that with our people to understand, do they want that? And if not, that's fine. You can do a job, but then we've got to keep you interested in doing that job as well so we don't lose you to somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, and actually, I think that's answered my question because there are people who want to progress the people who who are happy doing the job but would like to be paid more as they mature and and some people will put their hand up and some won't and we have to acknowledge all of those things and it sounds like mark you've done a good job and your business doing a good job of retention and part of that retention is recognizing those types of people and then as we've just said like having the pathway and having we've done in our business where we've created a pathway for individual contributors and also a leadership track right lots of businesses with sufficient headcount do that and i think that's really important thing to and really spell it out and go like we recognize this i think what can be layered on and isn't done in a lot of places is subject matter expertise now you you may or may not do this as recognized as a skill like if two people are both same number of years doing the same job but one has worked for your business for eight years they have subject matter expertise that that a new hire wouldn't and do you recognize that in let's say the pay or, or whatever i think that's that's a gap and that's partly why some people do leave you know but they're trying to get that next jump in some cases yeah so i was just going to say to you actually i think that's one of the challenges that you you know when you asked about tech and, and, and my sort of world um I think in the tech world, one of the challenges that you might face is the tech itself. And is it cool? Is it up to speed? Are you growing in the right direction? Because somebody that opens up around the corner and, and changes the tech stack and it's really, really cool and somebody wants to work on it. So I think you guys have probably got that part as well because I'd say within our industry, most people generally use the same tools. And, and if they're not using the same tools within a certain given period of time, they've bought those tools Whereas to change a complete tech stack, you know, is, is a big job, isn't it? And I suppose that's maybe, I don't know, Mark, but maybe that's quite an interesting one for you because when you are bringing these businesses in, they might be bringing in different types of tech stacks. Is that right? Yeah, they, they all do. I mean, our strategy is to basically close an entire Microsoft circle of tech stack, which basically means that we can have services that match their wheel of capabilities. Every acquisition is building around that capability. But it is interesting to see that the evolution of the technology is definitely going more software orientated. And we're bringing in more software orientated capabilities. You know, we, we brought in Public View last year, which is a pure SaaS platform. Uh, Evo is often a full business a central platform. So it's given us the ability to open those doors from um, the traditional tech and showing where it's going to go in the future. So the opportunities um, within BCN are becoming quite vast when it comes to what your tech direction becomes. You can start off looking at what is very traditional, a server in a, a room or a firewall. And there's a software way out of that, whether that's through Azure or through into one of our other areas, th those kind of doors are opening all the time. And what we're seeing is subtle shifts in people making those moves from, you know, traditional firewalls in a room to virtual firewalls in Azure, through to SaaS firewalls, through to virtual networking. 
through to software defined networking through to actually it's now software management in Azure and there's no infrastructure at all. So it's it's really interesting to see that that the technology is facilitating those kind of shifts and moves for us. So before we sort of finish off, Mark, obviously your career has been pretty much Northwest based. What major changes have you seen in the Northwest? We say that Manchester's, you know, one of the fastest growing tech cities in the UK. Burnham's or, or Andy Burnham, should I say, uh, or Mr. Burnham has stated on numerous occasions that he would like it to be the biggest tech hub in Europe, I believe. What major changes have you seen in the Northwest throughout your career? And also, is it sustainable? And do you think we can keep growing at that rate? Yeah, I mean, one of the the best observations is probably the maturing of what our schools and colleges and universities have been offering with regards to IT. When I first started my career, it was very limited. You know, when I was coming out of college, uh, what you could do, that growth of options has really opened the doors to much more specialisms across uh, the Northwest. So being able to recruit cyber specialists in the Northwest is something you would never have done in the last 10 years, you know, and, and having that stream of people is key to us growing. You know, it's it's that, I think, recognition that there are trends that IT and tech are following. And it's really nice to see that those are being matched by the training and the, the schools and the colleges across the Northwest to, to basically feed into it. The doors that are open now for us to go in and actually help train um, on what we are looking for as an IT business and getting people that actually will be much more ready to hit the ground running rather than have training that's not got the right, we call it business life skills, you know, they've actually now seen the reality of it. It is really key as well. So yeah, I think it's it's that that kind of turn from the very generic kind of capabilities that you used to see into some really good niches and, and really good tech themes coming through that we we can take advantage of. Um, and I hope it's more than sustainable. I hope that we, we see more of that across the Northwest. I think th- there's no reason why, as we look at, you know, the new emerging techs of IoT and AI, that, yeah, we, they're in our face today, but it's the exploitation of them that's going to be key. There's no reason why we can't continue to bring those through. You know, the, the, the other one that, again, is key, data science. Having those data scientists now available in the Northwest, you know, it's, it's really good stuff to see and uh, hire into. It's really good. Um, I want to come back to a topic we talked about a bit earlier on. You mentioned a couple of times, which was culture, you know, something that I think is certainly important in the business I work in and lots of business now. How important do you see culture as a part of your attraction and retention call it strategy yeah it's part of the bcn dna that co-founders started off with an amazing culture now the business has matured it's gone through growing pains but the culture is still as good as it was and and i think growing for me it's fundamental you know having something that's not just your job that you can go and have a laugh, you've got social, and you've got things that accommodate the different demographics. We've got people that play for either side, we've got people at the moment playing Subutio. I, I did one of my tech talks a few months ago, and we we filled the office with retro arcade machines, yeah? We've got the barbecue, which is, you know, the directors go and cook burgers for everyone, and it's a big family day. So it's, it's something that's embedded into BCN. And the, the main thing for me is, continue driving it and making sure as we make the acquisitions we appreciate what that cultural shift might need to be or we embrace it and say look this is kind of 
um, part of the BCN way now, you know. So yeah, it's really important for me. And it's one of the things that attracted me to BCN when I was looking about 18 months ago, that they had a very no-nonsense approach. Everyone was straight up honest and looked like they're having a good time. And uh, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Really, really interesting. And uh, next time you get those arcade machines in, give us a buzz. Yeah, I'll come down and you know do a, a guest talk on um, Mario or something. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> sounds amazing. I do have one last question, but Zach, I don't know if you had any more before. No, no, not at all, no. So a uh, question we asked this, not always the same question, but uh, is there any advice you would give to your younger self? You've had a pretty good, strong career, your CTO now. Yeah, I think that the main thing is look at yourself in a mirror and have a proper critique on your strengths and weaknesses. Because the thing that got me where I've got to today is effectively looking at those weaknesses and focusing in on them. Your strengths are there. It's appreciating what they are. And then having, right, do I need to work on that? And if so, how am I going to work on that? You know, like I said, it was it was about 2010. Um, I had the opportunity to do that. It was through some outsourced education, emerging leader program. And uh, they, they kind of held a mirror up to yourself. And it was like, right, that's the truth now. And that's how I've been, how I read myself. What am I going to do about it? And then it was really having a good action plan of how to go and address it. You know, one of the things that I worked on through the years is public speaking. I ended up going presenting at World of Watson and Gartner Symposium 10 years ago, 12 years ago now. I would never have done that, but it was that conscious effort. If I want to get to that point in my career, I've got to work on these things and having that plan. And had I done it sooner, I would have been better sooner. And it's getting that more rounded you out of it. Uh, but yeah, it's having that just step back, appraise yourself, recognize what you're good at and what you're not good at and have a plan. Love it. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more because I, every single time I interview somebody and I ask them about strengths and weaknesses and they're very quick to tell me the strengths and they're very slow to tell me the weaknesses. And sometimes people don't even get the weaknesses out. And the piece of advice that I always give them is try and understand your weaknesses because they're the ones that you really want to improve on. Your strengths are natural most of the time and you can continue to evolve those and work on them. However, they're fairly natural anyway, whereas your weaknesses are the ones that you want to improve on because ultimately that's what we're doing every single day. You also mentioned earlier on, during this podcast about being outside your comfort zone. I love that, mate. I mean, you know, if I sat within my comfort zone, I'd, I'd just be bored. And I think everyone needs to test themselves because the only barrier to success is themselves every single time. So, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, Mark. It's been a great chat. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, really good advice. Evergreen advice as well. You can take that and use that anytime. So, Really love it. Thank you very much, uh, Mark Rotham, CTO at BCN. It's been great having you on. If you want to get in touch with the show, if you want to be on the show or know someone who would be good to have on the show, then please get in touch with either myself, uh, John Clary, or Zach Georgia. We're on LinkedIn and lots of other places. We have a page on LinkedIn. You can contact us there as well. Thank you very much. <laughs>